0: I mean, I'm basically lip syncing President Donald Trump (laughs) Um, and uh, it's weird that he's president. And so, you know, what's even weirder than that? I got my big break (laughs) lip syncing him.
1: Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute this week on the show, a political ish episode. It is impossible to ignore the election, which is just days away from now even though sometimes we want to ignore the election for our sanity. So, knowing all that, this episode, our conversations will be on the theme of politics, but they are not at all depressing or anxiety-inducing, I promise. First up, Sarah Cooper. She was a breakout star on TikTok and Twitter this year because of these really hilarious videos she'd make, lip-syncing to the words of President Donald Trump. It made her so famous that she is now out with her own Netflix special.
0: This story is about Sarah Cooper, who is a morning news anchor from the spring of 2017 to the fall of 2020. At her peak, Cooper had a hut rating of 54 and a 27 audience share.
1: She will tell us all about it. After that, we'll chat with some friends over at Pop Culture Happy Hour about things to watch on TV to watch on election day, perhaps, that are about politics, but not about this election. All right, let's get to it. First up, Sarah Cooper. Her new Netflix special is called Everything is Fine. And I got to say, I've never seen anything like it before. Sarah tells me why she wanted to play a newscaster on the edge in this special. But first, we talk about those Trump lip sync videos and what point she's trying to make with them. when the trappings of the presidency are removed from his words, when the flags Mm -hmm. aren't behind him, when he's not wearing the suit, when there aren't people in the press watching him say the thing, when it's just the words. Yeah. It really reveals itself. Also what I find really interesting is like, a lot of times in your videos, seeing a woman say what that man had said and seeing a Mm -hmm. black woman say what that white man had said, it totally can be screwy and like make you just kind of think things out more.
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing that's kind of f- about it is that like, yeah, a rich white guy gets up and says he can say almost anything because we're so visual that the and he visual said that perception he could say almost
1: is, anything. Yeah. Right.
0: He said he could just get away with anything. But we don't like hear with our ears. We like hear with our eyes. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's so much yeah. about our perspective and where we are in life that kind of clouds what we're listening to and what we're able to like discern. Oh, and he's been doing this. And he's pulling the wool over people's eyes for decades like this. And um, you get you have a black woman and all of a sudden you're listening a little bit closer. You know, oh, you're yeah. a little bit like, wait, what? what's she saying? Like, I don't know if I trust her. And it's kind of why this exposes him so well is because we're all just trained to trust a certain image and not really trust another one.
1: Mm. Mm. Did you ever expect as a black woman trying to make it in comedy that Donald Trump would be part of your path.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I I mean, I mean, guess I, I got blocked by him in 2017. So it's like, I feel like I've had this long, you know, history of not liking him. Um, and I've had a history of kind of calling people out on BS. So I guess mm. those, you know, and he's kind of the king of BS, so I guess, it all sort of makes sense when you're looking back on it. But I don't like the fact that, you know, my bio or whatever is forever, you know, inextricably linked to this man that I absolutely hate, which was part of the reason why I wanted to do the special, which is like, yes, I want to give people, you know, what they've enjoyed for these months of the lip syncs. But I also want to do other things and Let's show more. that, like, yeah. there's more that I want to talk about. And there's much more to life than Donald Trump, even though it feels like he's sucking the life out of all of us.
1: Let's talk about the special. It's called Everything is Fine, and the whole vibe of the special is that everything is not fine. I don't want to give away too much, but you play a morning newscaster on what should be a fun, cheery morning show.
0: Good morning, and welcome to Everything's Fine, the morning show where everything's fine. I'm your host, Sarah Cooper. Pretending that everything
1: is okay and every sketch that goes on you realize more and more that everything is not okay and there is this panic and despair just barely contained under the slogan everything is fine and it's really it kind of captures the emotional zeitgeist of this year (laughs) like um, what was the impetus for this? What what gave you the idea for this framework uh, for the special?
0: Um, Well I've always had a secret desire to be a morning show host it looks like a really? lot of fun yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> i thought it would be fun to do that just because i've been watching all these anchors report this horrible news and all of these like very confusing statements and so um, I had this idea because we're all kind of glued to the news of an anchor who kind of like, you know, buckles under the pressure of all of this news and having to keep reporting all of this news. And it, it kind of just made sense because, you know, I can do fun things like have Donald Trump call into the, the morning show. And so I get to play the, the other character in a lot of my videos, which is this person yes, who's like, what's going on? What number. are you talking about? How are you doing, Mr. President? So we have many exciting things that we'll be announcing over the next uh, Eight weeks, I would say. Oh, exciting. We're going to get things done. Wow. We're going to get things done that they've wanted to see done. And then in between long, those long, like, long morning time. show vignettes, Where there's other sketches and parody commercials and all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you have this all-star cast of guest stars in the special, Ben Stiller. Maya Rudolph plays the meteorologist.
2: Thursday, you might want to break out the sunscreen again because it's going to be a hot one. 123 degrees with a humidity index so high, a friend of mine who works at the EPA called me crying. He's a grown man. John Hamm
1: plays the Mr. Pillow Guy. Megan the Stallion just shows up and teaches you how to twerk.
2: So all you got to do is dip and sip. Dip,
3: dip and, and sip. sip. And-
1: how did you get all these famous folks to be in this special with you? It's kind of amazing. <laughs> Hats off. Kudos.
0: Thank you. I mean, I had a very good casting uh, team. I mean, and Natasha was just like very instrumental in that, too. I think she called in some favors, too. Um, but like.
1: And uh, just to pause to say that, so yes. Natasha Leon, um, she directed the special, right?
0: Yes, Natasha. I'm so. sorry. I'm like. Do you see it? You see this? I'm just like going, Natasha. Like it's no big deal. Natasha, you know, Natasha, you know. Natasha Leone. <laughs> I do that sometimes, and my husband's like, I'm just like, yeah. Ben texted me. Ben who? And I'm like, oh, Ben Stiller. You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's my life now. Um. But yeah. So <laughs> it is. I think a lot of people just um wanted to be part of something. You know, like this is a pre-election special and. You know, the goal is to make people laugh, but it's also to remind people that we we have an election coming up and we need to do something about because everything is not fine. And just like admitting that.
1: Yeah, yeah. There are so many sketches in the special where I'm like, didn't think you were going to go there. And then you do. Yeah. Like there's this one part of uh, you as the morning talk show host. Um, you leave the desk where you're broadcasting and you go to the back and like talk to two of the producers. And they start going over like the polling data for your character. All
2: right. <clears throat> Looks like 35 percent of our audience likes that you're black. of our audience doesn't like that you're black. 50% of our audience doesn't know you're black. But thankfully, 80% of our audience feels extremely threatened by you, Sarah.
1: And it was weird and bonkers and bananas, but I also kept saying to myself, this must come from some very personal experience for Sarah Cooper. (laughs) Does it?
0: Oh, God, yes. Oh, God. (laughs) Tell me more.
1: Tell me more. Well,
0: you know, I'm... um, I'm Jamaican, and I, you know, I've just always had this thing. People have asked me, "What are you?" Since I moved here, you know, in Jamaica, everyone's, everyone's just kind of Jamaican ethnically. It's very mixed. Like my grandmother was Chinese, full Chinese, but she had a a Jamaican accent. It was the weirdest thing. Everybody's just kind of really mixed, but are all Jamaican. And so you come here and you know people are just like oh are you mexican are you are you from brazil <laughs> you know <laughs> and so and so yeah i've just always been sort of confused by that but then also with my parents and i talk about this in my stand up is my parents being like Uh, We're Jamaican. We're not. We're not African American. We're Jamaican, which is technically Mm -hmm. true, but that's not how this country sees you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like when my parents named me Sarah, a white lady just moved into my body and kind of gentrified my whole personality. You know, (laughs) like my. And so I have this this story that I tell about like (laughs) walking (laughs) walking home from the bus stop with my best friend Stacy, who is Jewish, and Mm -hmm. a white high school kid drives by and yells out the N word. And I told I I turned to Stacy and I'm like, How could they call you that? Cause I think they're talking to her. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. And she's like, no, I think they're talking to you. You know? And I, I go home and I'm like, mom, dad, you know, I think I'm black. And and they're like, and they're like, no, man, we're Jamaican. And, and then I'm like, well, I think you're black too, actually. So, you know, it's just a weird identity crisis experience that's just never ending um, with my experience in America.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, the election is Tuesday and Donald Trump, who in this weird way has been your muse, he could lose. What happens to you and what you're doing comedy wise if that happens? Will you still be drawn to political satire? You think?
0: I think I always will be. And I've always been interested in in, uh, in politics and what's going on in the world. I hope though that politics takes up less of our emotional energy in the future. It's not that I don't think we should vote in, in the midterms. I'm going to vote in every election until I die. Like I, I have that feeling <laughs> now that I had not, I didn't have before, but at the same time, you know, I've just seen like my mom like unfriend my uncle because he said something nice about Trump, you know? And it's just like, oh, wait, wow. but you know, we're, we're, it's creating all these rifts and, weekend I, this, this is the only good thing about sports I don't really like sports that much no I don't <laughs> like going to games but when you go to a game and you see so many people like all cheering for the same thing it's just a very yeah. like awesome feeling and I feel like I want to have more of that kind of like we're all sort of united cheering for the same thing kind of feeling um in the future so I don't know if that even remotely answered your question but uh, <laughs> <I do>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're going to take a break. But after the break, I would love to play my favorite game with you. It's called Who Said That? Will you stick around?
2: Yeah, of course. Yay. Okay. This message comes from NPR sponsor Allbirds, a sustainable fashion brand committed to leaving the planet in a better place than they found it. Their new apparel line includes the Trino XOT, Wool Jumper, Wool cardi, and Trino Puffer, all made of premium natural materials with the carbon footprint listed on each product. Evolved from nature, these pieces look, feel, and wear better, so you can wear your values on your sleeve without compromise. Get a head start on the holidays and head to allbirds.com today for the perfect gift to give and receive. This message comes from NPR sponsor Ancestry. Every family has a story. Bring yours to life with Ancestry. An Ancestry DNA test can tell you where your ancestors are from. And Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their unique stories. What will you discover? It's easy to get started. Start your Ancestry free trial or get an Ancestry DNA kit at Ancestry.com NPR.
1: On the next episode of Louder Than a Riot, how a law meant to control the mob changed the mixtape game forever.
3: Gangsta Grills is the biggest thing Arguably ever in the mixtape's history Don't tell me that what we're doing is wrong Listen now to Louder Than a Riot The podcast from NPR Music
1: You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders, joined this weekend by very special guest, Sarah Cooper. Hi, Sarah.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm good. It's an honor to talk with you. You're having a really big year. Um, Your lip syncs of Donald Trump have gone viral on TikTok and Twitter all year, and now you've just put out... A comedy special on Netflix called "Everything Is Fine." Congrats on your big year!
0: Thank you so much. It's been um, it's been insane.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, first, I gotta ask you because it is the season. Um, what's your favorite Halloween candy?
0: Oh God. Well, this is going to make me lose a lot of people, but I wow. love candy corn. I'm a oh, big candy Lord. corn fan. I'm,
1: I'm sorry. The connection is dropping. I can't oh, hear no, you. Oh, no. Nope. Sam. Sam. What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come back. It's it's It tastes like wax. I don't know. I just I just maybe. I don't know. I just like it. I like it a lot.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. What Halloween candy should be banished for all time? I would say
0: those Easter peeps.
1: Oh, yeah. Screw the people I know
0: that that's not a Halloween candy, yeah. but... <laughs>
1: I want to get rid of Milky Way.
0: Oh, I agree with you. I, I don't know what's inside of those things. What is that, My sister loves Milky Way, and it's disgusting.
1: It's so disgusting. Oh what do you God. even call the filling?
0: It's nougat. Ugh. And it's like, yeah, you don't even like saying the word nougat.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: Maybe that's <laughs> what it is.
1: All right. Well, we agree on that, at least.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: All right. Now... With no further ado, let's play Who Said That?
3: Who said that? Who said
1: this game is quite simple. I share 3 quotes from the week of news, and you got to tell me who said that or guess what story I'm talking about. You are the only player, so you're going to win no matter what. Oh, Congratulations yeah. in Great. advance. Thank you. <laughs> All right. First quote. Much has been made of the fact that these writings were published anonymously. The decision wasn't easy. I wrestled with it, and I understand why some people consider it questionable. Who said that?
0: That was obviously said by the great Sir William Shakespeare.
1: <laughs> no. <It was> a, <laughs> no?
4: <laughs>
1: no, no, alas. It was a news story from this week about someone who came forward finally and, and shared who they are with the world after okay. writing anonymously about Trump for a while.
0: OK, so his name is like Sam Daniels or Chad Sims or something like that.
1: Close. It's, it's, it's in the same arena. Miles Taylor. See, very, I knew it was something
0: like that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I yes. was like a white guy. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a white
1: guy. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Miles Taylor worked for the Trump White House for a while. He was a chief of staff. Kristen Nielsen. She was the Department Mm -hmm. of Homeland Security secretary. And while he was working for her, working for Homeland Security, working in the Trump administration, he wrote an anonymous op-ed in 2018 for the New York Times, where he said that he was part of the resistance inside the Trump administration, working to thwart Trump's worst inclinations. Uh, Also wrote a book. But now this week, he's finally said, it's me, Miles Taylor. It was I. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that.
0: I am, I'm wildly unimpressed, wildly unimpressed (laughs) by this gentleman. You were working inside to thwart and all you could do is write an anonymous op-ed. You couldn't, you couldn't, uh, record him saying the N-word and have that released. (laughs) Like you couldn't do that. That's what you should have been doing.
1: (laughs) All right. You got that point. Next quote. The aromas are meant to evoke everyday things that bring adults joy, like brand new shoes or freshly cut grass.
0: That quote was from the immaculate Julie Andrews.
1: You're really just, <laughs> you're dreaming big today. You are dreaming big. Uh, this, is a, this was a big part of all of our childhoods. It was a craft kind of thing that we can play with, with our hands. In fact, play is in the name of this. Play-doh, thing. Play-Doh. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, so that quote comes from Play-Doh general manager Lena Vatiketh. She was talking to HuffPost about a new line of adult play-doh. Play-doh for Wait, adults.
3: What? This, that sounds yes, sexual. Ma'am.
1: I know. And it really and, and that makes me feel weird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but these new Play-Doh flavors or scents, they are they're officially called grown-up scents and the scents include overpriced latte, mom jeans, dad sneakers, no. spa day, lord of the lawn and wait, grill king.
0: Wait, they have, they have wait, wait, wait. They have adult play-doh flavored. No, sorry. Smells Scented. like Sorry, does it is it clear that I used to eat play-doh? Okay, sorry.
1: Same. Same.
0: Scented like mom jeans?
1: Let's be real here. If you're gonna make adult scented play-doh, you also have to make it adult flavored play-doh. Yes. Because everyone eats play-doh. Everyone
0: eats play-doh. I would eat the play-doh if it tasted like, you know, cheesecake. Cheesecake Play-Doh. Ooh. That, that's
1: I'm trying to think, what would I want for adult play-doh? Whiskey play-doh. <laughs> Whiskey <laughs> play-doh. Let's yeah. do it. It's 2020, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here is the last quote. We danced. Road bikes, swam near whales, kayaked, watched a movie on the beach, and so much more. I realize that for most people, this is something that is so far out of reach right now. So in moments like these, I am humbly reminded of how privileged my life is. Hashtag, this is 40. You know this one.
0: I think, I think this was said by... Um, yeah, oh, it's, 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 the, it's the Kim, Kim Kardashian fan. Yeah. <music>
1: Yes, yes, yeah. the Kim, Kim yeah, Kardashian the West. Kim. Yeah. So she turned 40 recently, Yeah, and she shared some photos of the party she had. Uh, turns out she had close friends and family quarantined for two weeks, and then she flew them all to a private island for her 40th birthday party. And when she shared the photos of it, she was trying to say, oh, this is so humbling, but everyone was just like, Kim, shut up, stop it, we don't want to see this. I mean, how did you feel about seeing those images of her literally on a private island partying, while the waitstaff in the back was wearing masks?
0: What what hashtag did she use?
1: Hashtag this is forty.
0: Okay, so when you were reading that at first, I was like, "Oh, this is sincere and this is genuine." And then <laughs> as soon as you got to the hashtag, I was like, "Oh no, this person <laughs> is just full of it." I, uh, I I just take your family on a vacation, but don't post pictures of it. Don't post. Like, Why? Why would you? That, that's the COVID do that? rule. Yeah.
1: I will say I found it quite interesting to see who was not there. Kanye West was not there.
0: Well, he's campaigning. He's campaigning. (laughs) He's on the campaign trail. He's in his bus (laughs) kissing babies and, you know, doing what campaign political people do. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. I can't wait to see your President Kanye West lip-syncs. That would be wild.
0: I can't wait. I I saw his campaign uh, commercial and I was like, I have to do that, like I have to. Wait, he has a campaign commercial? Yes, you have to watch it.
1: Families are the building blocks of society, of a nation. By turning to faith, we will be the kind of nation, the kind of people God intends us to be.
0: I'm Kanye West, and I approve this message. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my
1: God. This year, 2020 this year, is either the gift that keeps on giving or the curse that keeps on cursing.
0: Keeps on taking away.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one bright spot. Uh, you won the game. Congratulations. Um,
0: thank you so much. Here's hoping. Here's hoping it, it continues. Here's hoping. We can make it make it out of the, we the can make it. quicksand that is 2020. And we can pull ourselves out.
1: Yes. Sarah Cooper, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this was a really fun chat. Congrats on your really big year. Uh, listeners for specials on Netflix. Right now it's called Everything Is Fine. You've never seen anything like it. Check it out. Uh, Sarah, thank you.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Listeners, coming up, Aisha Harris and Linda Holmes of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. They offer some viewing suggestions for Election Day, you know, other than cable
2: news. Support for NPR and the following message come from Madewell. Their experts use premium fabric and the latest denim technology to make jeans in fits and styles for everyone. Whether you're looking for a super comfy pair that really moves with you or want to keep it old school and 100% cotton, you're sure to find jeans you're going to reach for again and again. Go to madewell.com and use the code NPRDENIM for $20 off your online jeans purchase. Terms apply. Please see madewell.com promos for full offer details.
0: It's crucial. And I don't give a damn
1: how
2: you look at it. It's disabased. It was we, the people. The land of the free and the of the brave. Not we, the white male
1: citizens. Misrepresentative Democracy.
2: A
0: new series about voting in America from NPR's Throughline.
1: Listen now. This week on the show, politics. Without any of the annoying, maddening, depressing stuff, Election Day is just around the corner and we wanted to stay in the spirit of things right now and talk about politics this episode and our civic duty to vote and elections and government, all that good stuff, but we wanted to do it without having to get too in the weeds and too much into the infighting of this campaign season. So we asked two friends of the show to come on and tell us about the kind of politics that we can all really get behind. Politics of the pop culture variety. I am joined uh, this week by two amazing guests, Linda Holmes and Aisha Harris of Pop Culture Happy Hour, who as of this week are now hosting a daily show. Welcome and congratulations.
3: Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam.
1: Why would y'all ever ask for more work?
3: (laughs) There's just so much pop culture. We have to to cover it all. (laughs)
1: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, that's a nice answer. Well, let's get into it. I want us to talk about um, the fun side of politics uh, in this election season. And the fun side is all of the pop culture that exists around elections and politics. So you two culture vultures have brought you here to share what you're watching, reading, listening to that is about politics, but uh, not as disastrous as this current election season. I'm going to have you go first. Aisha, share a pick with us.
3: Well, so when thinking about this, I realized that, you know, at a young age, I was primed to hate politics. I mean, so my earliest encounters with politics was all the TV sitcoms that I grew up watching as a kid. I I was an 80s baby, 90s kid. And Mm -hmm. there is probably not a single um, family or kid TV sitcom from that era that doesn't include one episode that's about one student running for student council president or, like, president of something. <laughs> and so, okay. And so um, my pick is the um, an episode from season four of The Wonder Years Whoa. in which Kevin Arnold, wow. who is the lead protagonist, runs uh, for student council president against Becky Slater. And Becky Slater is... <laughs> Becky Slater is, like, the popular girl. Everyone likes her. She also, like, has all of the, the money and the funds to, like, launch this huge campaign. And Kevin, like, just can't compete. And there's usually hmm. the protagonist who is described as honest and loyal and is reluctant to join, and they get swept away. Like, politics is corrupting. It, it ruins their their ability to make rational choices. and. Hmm. <laughs> this episode of The Wonder Years really encapsulates that in a really interesting way because by the end of the, that episode, Kevin realizes that, like, he sunk too low. He had he had gotten his hands on her speech, and he was oh. going to read it for her because he's a slacker. He's like, I haven't written my speech yet. I'm just going to wing it, and then someone steals it for him. And so he goes up to the podium, and he's about to, to recite her speech, and then he decides he's not going to go through with it.
0: As I stood at that podium, a lot of things raced through my mind. Things like what it takes to win. And what it feels like to lose. But as I looked at that speech, I realized what I had become. Someone I hardly even knew. And I knew what I had to do.
3: So he decides like, you know what, I I need to be the better, better boy, the better man. I can't do this. I'm out of it. And so, you know, those are the types of things that I was watching as a kid with seeing these supposedly good characters get swept up briefly into politics and then realize, actually, this isn't what I thought it would be. I've been corrupted. I'm jaded. I'm out. (laughs) And I think it had a huge influence on, you know, the way I felt about politics in some ways.
1: What is the biggest lesson of this episode for our politics right now, you think, Aisha?
3: You know, I think it's that, <laughs> as, as cynical as it sounds, anyone who goes into politics has to really, really want it. And in order to really, really want it, you have to make compromises. And often those compromises might include your integrity <laughs> and your morals. <gasps> and. Oh <my> <laughs>
1: This was supposed to be a jolly, uplifting I, I episode. This, I know this
3: is supposed to be fun.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, it's but fine. I do.
3: I do think that you know it is a lesson worth uh, at least exploring, and there's no better way than through. <laughs> or there are plenty of better ways, but there's probably <laughs> no more fun way than through TV sitcoms of the '80s and '90s.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm currently binge watching Grey's Anatomy, and the great thing about that show is that there are no elections whatsoever
4: <laughs> it's true there's a ton but there, of other drama are there, but no it's, elections <laughs> it's true there's i mean there's sort of some scrambling for power mm. in terms of oh like, yes gently in terms chief. of who's right. gonna be the chief but yeah i think it's um yeah <laughs> I, I i think i would be glad to have no elections <laughs> and like meredith gray not running for mayor of seattle or whatever
1: Although she'd win, because she always wins, it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, she it's always true. Wants what she wants. All right, uh, Linda, give us your politics, election, pop culture pick.
4: So, uh, a lot of people sitting in the seat I'm in now are going to serve up uh, the West Wing to you. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm going to okay. choose the proto-West okay. Wing, the West Wing before the West Wing, which was the uh, film The American President, which uh, Rob Reiner directed from a script by, yes, indeed, Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Michael Douglas playing the president, Annette Bening playing the lobbyist that he falls in love with. Bunch of really lovely performances as staff. Interestingly, Martin Sheen is basically the, like the Leo McGarry of this movie mm-hmm. is is Martin Sheen. Um, Michael J. Fox is in it, and it is really charming and funny in it. Um, I have always really, really liked this movie, and to me this is the best of Sorkin's kind of I wish politics worked this way. The president doesn't answer to you, Lewis. Oh, yes, he does, AJ. I'm a citizen. This is my president. And in this country,
1: it is not only permissible to question our leaders. It's our responsibility.
4: It's madly oversimplified, as a lot of his stuff is. It is a bunch of almost exclusively white people talking about kind of politics in this very abstract sense, talking about like, you know, we should all restore honor. There is a, a speech near the end where the president talks about how he wants to get he wants to ban handguns. And he talks about, I'm going to go door to door until I convince people that I'm right. And that is the kind of thing that always had a lot of appeal to me, was the idea that you could do retail politics in that way.
1: If you want to talk about character and American values, fine. Just tell me where and when and I'll show up.
0: This is a time for serious people, Bob, and your 15 minutes are up. My name is Andrew Shepard and I am the president. Uh,
4: I just think it's a really charming movie and and. You know, I greatly prefer it as a a piece about politics. I I prefer it to the West Wing.
1: I love some good Sorkin scripts. So I'll watch this.
4: Yes. Yes. You should try it.
1: You know, I will say the show that makes me feel the most like I feel watching politics right now is season two of Succession. Yeah, for a few reasons. I mean, one, it's just really, really well done. Uh, But two, it gets at this sense. I think a lot of people have right now in our politics, regardless of whether you're on the left or the right, this feeling like there are just a handful of really, really rich people and rich families in charge of everything. And half of what we experience on this national scale is just about their family fighting. Right, and I think it feels so true right now.
4: Yeah, and I think also for me, Succession, the the thing about Succession that has always made it a particularly powerful story about rich people, and I often don't really like, you know, get a load of those jerks television, Mm, but I've always really appreciated the way that they present that family as consumed by essentially a joyless quest to become rich and powerful for its own sake. They're Mm -hmm. not people who really take any pleasure in the things that they do with money, even when they are out on a beautiful yacht or having a beautiful party. They're not happy. They're not satisfied. Mm -hmm. They're not really enjoying themselves. They're just thinking about what is the next move. And I think that sort of joyless quest to control money and other people is a particularly kind of nihilistic, frightening, and yet rings true kind of feeling of power and stuff. Yeah.
3: Wait, can we can we sing the theme song?
4: Oh yes, like my favorite thing. It really is a good theme song. Yes. Oh, it's so
3: good. So good.
1: All right. I have one more last question for y'all. Um for those who just don't want to watch the election results on Tuesday just don't want to watch it. What should they watch instead
4: that's a great question um mm. so my other another thing that I always enjoy that makes me think uh, about what is possible is of course parks and recreation, mm. which has a uh, A sunny but yet also sometimes very melancholy view of of, um, being involved in local politics and being a person who wants to try to improve your own community. You know, there's a storyline where Leslie Nope runs for city council, and it has a very um, bittersweet quality to how that story plays out. I am more than a city councilor. I am an unstoppable force of energy. And I will use those days to work as hard as I can.
0: These are all your ongoing projects,
4: everything you're currently working on for Pawnee.
0: You have things to do. You have a month left. Use it. Anne, you poetic, noble land mermaid.
4: You're right, once again. And I do think that um, if you are needing to focus on the fact that there will always be things that we will all have to do to support Mm -hmm. and improve our own communities, no matter what happens in larger, higher-profile elections— I think there is a great moment when she talks to somebody about what local government is for uh, and says, you solved a problem. That's what we're supposed to do.
1: Oh, I like that. Warm fuzzies. Aisha.
3: Uh, does it have to be politics related? Because <laughs> I really no, just want No, it can be whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, my advice is watch whatever makes you feel like, warm and hu- fuzzy, like, any time you are sad or depressed. Um, for me, that would be Singing in the Rain. Oh, yeah. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling, I'm happy again. Anytime I'm feeling incredibly blue if someone in, close to me has been hurt or died like that is the movie I go to it just makes me happy all the time and it has nothing to do with politics it's great
1: okay I will recommend the season 6 2 hour finale of Grey's Anatomy <laughs>
3: Okay, which one is that? I This is
1: when they have the mass shooting at Seattle Grace.
3: Oh god, that one. Oh man. It, it yeah. was
1: so much. Where Mandy Moore is all of a sudden caught up in the drama. It is so <laughs> like, much. Mandy
3: Moore,
4: what? Sam, well, I, say, what? I I I think what we're witnessing here is your gradual retirement from your current job <laughs> in oh, yeah. favor of your ultimate destiny running NPR's Grey's Anatomy podcast. Yes,
1: please. Thanks again to Aisha Harris and Linda Holmes, hosts of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. That show is now publishing episodes daily. Also, listeners, look for an episode dropping in that feed next week where I'll be a guest, a panelist, talking about, you guessed it, Grey's Anatomy.
2: Now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every week, listeners share the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag, and they do. Let's hear a few of those submissions. Hey Sam, this is Liza from South Burlington, Vermont. The best thing that happened to me this week was getting to introduce our dog, Gus, to snow. Gus is a stray from Alabama, so safe to say he was not amused, but I'm hoping we can turn our southern gentleman into a powder pup.
3: Hi, I'm Carol. Portland, Oregon, and the best part of my week was getting an email from the press I'd submitted my chapbook to that they would love to publish it.
0: Woohoo! Not a rejection! Hello, Sam. My name is Kayla, and I'm speaking with you from San Antonio, Texas. The best thing that happened to me this week was that I scored a really great score on my optometry admission test and I'm so happy to be recording this right now because while I was studying, I told myself, you're gonna get a great score. And when you do, you're gonna record a voice memo and you're gonna send it to Sam and it's gonna be on the podcast. So I'm doing that now and I'm just so very happy and thrilled. Hi Sam,
3: this
2: is Deborah from Atlanta. The best part of my week was finding out that all four members of my household had voted and. We're super excited about that. Hi Sam, this is Jean. The best part of my week was finally being able to celebrate my mom's 91 years of a wonderful life with a COVID safe church service. We've waited seven long months, but we were able to stream it to family and friends all over the US. After the service, my youngest daughter and her husband announced they are expecting my first grandchild. And my dad's first great grandchild. This news was actually the best part of my whole year. Thanks for letting us share, Sam. Love your show. Thank you so much for your show, Sam. Hope you're doing well. Bye.
1: What a good bunch this week dogs and snow and book publishing. Uh, and also, congrats, Kayla, on that optometry admission exam result. Hooray! You spoke it into existence and it happened. Thanks to everyone you just heard. Gene, Deborah, Kayla, Carol, and Liza. Listeners, you can be a part of this segment at any point throughout any week. Just record the sound of your voice on your phone, sharing the best part of your week, and send that file to me at samsandersnpr.org. At samsandersnpr.org. All right. This week, It's Been a Minute was produced by Janae West, Anjali Sastry, and Andrea Gutierrez. Our intern is Star McCowan. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. All right, listeners, we are back next week with three episodes, not just two, because it's going to be a busy, busy news week. We'll have a special bonus episode dropping Wednesday, the day after the election, talking about the aftermath of the election. All right. Till then, stay safe. Be good to yourselves. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon.